0: Here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, uh, let's pray. It's epiphany still, but it won't be for long. O oh God, who has called and gathered a people from the ends of the earth to serve you, grant the increase of your government among us and give us your Holy Spirit, that your name may be glorified by all who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Through Christ our Lord, amen. amen. I feel like I'm yelling at you. Anybody, is it okay? No? You think it's okay? Wow, because when I talk this way to my kids, they think I'm yelling at them, so I don't know, whatever. Uh, if you put money in the basket, it'll go to Lert. They must need new chainsaws, so uh, they are marching in formation with their chainsaws this year in the Fourth of July parade, so they'll want shiny, shiny stuff, okay? Uh, so if you throw money in there, that's good. Now, uh, Peter Savitsky, is he here? And then is. His very famous brother is here, who, um, what are you, are you like the premier of China? Help me again exactly what it is that you're doing. You're the, you're the money guy for Asia, is that right? So if you need um, like dollars converted into gold bars, or if you want to short the yuan, you know, this is the guy you want to talk to, right? So it's, uh, we're very happy to have him here. He's, uh, he works for Synod, uh, and you know the Missouri Synod. Cuts the world into five big bits. So he's the money guy for one of the big bits. So if you're going that direction, that's the guy you need to know. All right, what else is going on? Any questions about anything? No, you're all happy and content just the way you are? All right, well, you won't be in a minute. So, okay, let's go. Up. Content or contentious? Content, I said. I would never say Contentious. Oh, I might say it, but not so that you could hear it. So, uh, okay, so grab a Bible, and, you know, imagine you're with Jesus, and think, you know, if Jesus just looked out at all of you, and, and the problem is you've heard this before, but imagine if you just heard it for the first time. Just imagine if Jesus had come to town like Mr. Savitsky, and then, you know, what if Mr. Savitsky just stood up and started talking to you? You say, tell us about, you know, the Asian mission, and he just said, well, it's like this. A sower went out to sow, right? Then you'd think to yourself, he must have that um, coronavirus thing, something going on, right? That's what you'd think. But you'd think, you know, so here you are, 13, you know, Jesus is by the beach. He can't be content with sunglasses and a little bit of SPF 30 like everybody else. No, no. He gets out in a boat and he starts to talk to people. People are standing there. And then, you know, verse 3, a farmer went out to sow his seed, Um, As he was scattering the seeds, some of it fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. (coughs) Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil where it had produced a crop 160 and thirty times He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Now imagine you'd heard that for the first time. Part of the problem with us is we've heard this story a hundred times. And then we've um, had it explained to us a thousand times. And we've even had those little colorful things from CPH and Sunday School that have Jesus, you know, that looks very much like he grew up in Chicago. And, you know, he's explaining things to us. So we think we have this kind of all figured out. But you have to try to imagine what this was like if you'd heard Jesus for the first time, here's this famous rabbi. He's uh, near the beginning of his ministry. He's beginning to tell people about the kingdom of God. And he talks like he's a crazy man. Right. The whole point, of course, is to turn your world upside down. One of the great big problems with Jesus is actually a great big problem with us, which is that we think Jesus is just another guy. And if he walked into the room, he'd fit in really, really well. And, of course, that's not true at all. Jesus is weird. Or the other possibility is you're weird. And uh, maybe we'd bet on the second one, right? So, number one, Jesus' kingdom is so profoundly different from what we would do if we're in charge. Are you on Next Door? Did you sign up for Next Door yet? I see some of you on there. So here's what I'm surprised at. I, live, I thought I lived in a nice town, in a nice neighborhood. I'm stunned by how mean people are to each other, out loud, with their name signed to it. I feel like I'm constantly hearing confession, but I never get the chance to say, you know, go in peace, serve the Lord, right? Man, it is, it is oftentimes an angry conversation, and often people pushing each other around and telling each other they're stupid. And this is just what they sign their name to. I wonder what happens at home with their friends, after a couple of martinis on Valentine's Day. Think about it. So what do we do? We build our kingdoms by force and intimidation and uh, power, and we muscle people around. And then when we do that, we think we're king. And then Jesus comes as king of a kingdom of heaven in Matthew or of God in Mark and Luke. And he looks very different than we do. And then the question is, who's wrong, who's right? Pay your money, take your choice. Um, Jesus, of course, is trying to get you to uh, enjoy his kingdom. So one of the great kindnesses of the sermon this morning was the emphasis, you know, so often we take Jesus' words as prescriptive finger wagons. You all should just shape up and then you can be good Christians. And you can be forgiven for thinking that if you live in Wheaton because there's all kinds of people who are shaping up, Right? Think about your speaker at the men's and women's retreat who marvelously came free of people shaping up and kind of, you know, he comes to the law and gospel from the outside and then is so excited by it he can hardly stand it. This is the stuff you've grown up with your whole life. He gets it and, he, you know, he, he's, we pay him to lecture for an hour and he lectures an hour and a half or two hours because he just can't get enough of it, right? It's crazy talk. Well... And this is what happens when Jesus gets a hold of you. So today, you know, you can either take the Sermon on the Mount or it's a long list of rules, and Jesus is the new Moses, he's the new lawgiver, and ta ta. da or you can take it the way it was preached, which was, hey, Jesus really loves you, and this is what he's welcoming you into, and this gift can be yours as well. This is the life that we have together. I hope you'll follow along and enjoy it. Read the Old Testament lesson again when you go home. You know, every time I go to the seminary, I always say at least one time in a sermon or a lecture, obedience is love and love is obedience. Because I know there are people who, as soon as I get done, lecture against that. So I figure I'll get my licks in while I'm there. But read read Deuteronomy today. Read the Old Testament lesson when you go home. It was the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus says, I'm your God and you're my people. And then he says, love me... Does anybody remember? By obeying me. Walking with me. Following me. Right? He doesn't have a gun to your head. He's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Same thing Jesus says. The other side, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's, of course, a stern bit of law. But, you know, hey, love me and obey me. Not because I'm bossing you around, but because I'm showing you life. Right? This is the same thing happening here. If you hear this parable of the sower, which, by the way, is the first parable in all three of the Gospels, so it has some great import. This is an important story because every Gospel leads with this one. Okay, and it's in all three Gospels, and it's the lead in all three Gospels. That means something. If you hear this as Jesus shaking his finger at you, I'm sad for you because you're going to move out and be a finger shaker out in the world. But if you can kind of hear Jesus like in the dark wooing people close saying, this is beautiful. Come on, I'll share this with you. Right? So, um, here it is. Uh, Jesus is so weird. Or maybe you are. And Jesus' way of telling parables is done to kind of upset you, to get you off balance. Because you and I think we know everything about kingdoms. And it turns out we don't know anything about kingdoms. So I'm turning the page. I'm already at number four, just in case you thought I was off the outline. No, like Jesus, I slipped in little mystery, and in the darkness, poof, appear at point number four. So if the kingdom is really about resurrection from the dead, so there's only one story in Scripture, and it's resurrection. It's death and resurrection. Every story is a story about death and resurrection. right? Every story is about... Um, life and death, every story is about good and evil, every story is about light and darkness, every story is death and resurrection. If the kingdom is really about resurrection from the dead, it's really about the forgiveness of sins, and if grace is really a gift, and if Jesus is really a Messiah who intends to celebrate St. Valentine's Day, but not our, day, our you day, know, he doesn't intend to lead a militarized theocratic state by force. Then he works it out, and he gets it done, and we're nothing but given to. So things get done in the kingdom because Jesus gets them done. And he does that mercifully and beautifully and thoroughly. And if you want to know what your life is meant to be as a Christian, you know, the punchline's going to be mercifully, beautifully, and thoroughly, or 30 and 60 and 100-fold. And if you think of something else, you just belong to another kingdom, Right? I mean, you just you just have another king in another kingdom because Jesus couldn't be more clear about what's happening here. Now, the reality of the gospel is that it is resistible. This is always a sticking point in, uh, around here. Not around here, but around the kind of greater evangelical area. And it's interesting how people won't let words mean what they mean. But, you know, by grace you saved through faith, it's a gift of God. Yes, faith is a gift, but also grace is a gift. Gift, gift, gift. The word gift means resistible. If you get a gift, you can take it back. If you get a gift, you can unwrap it or not unwrap it. You can use it or not use it. You can set it on the counter, make coffee in it every day, or you can put it in the shelf above the refrigerator where nobody can reach. And it'll still be there, you know, nine years from now, untouched. By definition, a gift is resistible. If it's not resistible, it's not a gift. The gospel is a gift. Jesus is a gift. Grace is a gift. Gift, 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 gift. It's all over the place. It's like seed that gets sown that can be ignored or fail. This is the kingdom of God. The great risk is that Jesus takes flesh and blood and that you can drive nails through flesh and blood. That's the great risk. That, in, that you can, you can, what's going on? They're cheering me on. Um, <laughs> what in the world, already? I just wanna, I just wanna observe two things. Okay. They are cheering me on. You just have to turn around and look at who they are. <laughs> what, what's the question? So people that I know that are prone to predestination love this Well of course they do. What happened to my like 2020 chill guy? What happened to that? I don't know. I'm under a lot of pressure. <laughs> people that love predestination love this parable. This parable. And I never know how to respond to that. I don't know why this particular parable would be make you a predest drying up of the sun and being choked by the thorns, and some people are just not fit for the Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Calvin worked that out. He was a lawyer. Have you ever met any lawyers? <laughs> He wasn't a theologian, always remember that first, okay? I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, at some point you just sort of say, I'm really busy and I've got to carry on. Because, you know, you can say whatever you want about anything. Here's the problem with predestination. It happens outside time in the mind of God. Two things that we don't understand. So you can either make that the center. Here's the thing that's impossible to understand. Outside time in the mind of God. Well, here's something we understand really well. We take innocent people, we drive nails through them, we kill them to get them out of the way. Alternately, we go on next door where people are verbally killed, right? I mean, I understand the one. I'm around it every day. People getting slaughtered all over the place, right? The other one I don't understand at all. Why would I make a thing that's, why would I put all my chips on a thing that is impossible to understand? as As a starting place to think, it's just a Dumb thing to do. I've said dumb like three times, which is three more times I've said it all this year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I, maybe I need to exorcism or at least to go to confession. If Pastor Kendall would come, then maybe I could go to confession if you're listening. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, this is part of the deal. Everybody pays their money and takes your choice. So now you've got, we're going to start with predestination. Some people are in and some people are out. Although, I just have a question for these ostensible friends of yours. It seems to me that this is a story about someone who takes seed, and he throws the seed everywhere to everyone. So you got this very nice table of people here, but these loser people over here? Yeah, he gives them seed too. And these, maybe in, maybe out, have a full batch, right? So, a man went out to sow, and this is where he sowed his seed. He sowed it on the pavement, and he sowed it among the thorns, and he sowed it in the good soil, and he sowed it in the thin soil, which is a way of saying he sowed it everywhere, to everybody, sort of like that Great Commission you learned when you were in Confirmation. Go to everybody and teach everything. Go to all nations, everybody, even the Gentiles. Nations is the word for Gentiles, non-Jews. Go everywhere, teaching them to treasure up. You learned it. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, finger-shaking Jesus. But, of course, you remember that's the word for Mary when she treasures up everything in her heart after the um, shepherds come. It's the same word. Teaching them to treasure up everything that I left behind. So... For me, it's the anti-predestination thing, right? Because why waste his time with those people? These pavement people over here, they get it. Here's some thin soil over there. A lot of stones in this group right here, and stoners. That's a different thing. What? No, just kidding, I I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. I didn't, I just, sometimes I'm older, I get faces confused. So, and then, you know, there's 30, 60, and 90 fold right so you know to me it's completely the opposite just 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 listen to the story just listen to the story like this there was a sower who went out to sow indiscriminately in every way he took everywhere he took the most expensive thing he had so if jesus is the sower and the seed the way jesus at the lord's supper is the host of the meal and the host the bread so Jesus takes himself and he gives himself in every conceivable milieu and possibility. I mean, how how is that like? I love some people and don't love other people. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, I just can't. So Jesus, he's got half a heart. You know, like the like the Wizard of Oz. You know, it's just, it's just you know you just. So you know. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit welled up in me and I kept myself from saying, people say stupid things all the time. Okay? People say things all the time. Right? It doesn't make them true. And at some point, my advice to you would be to shake the dust off your feet and move on. Because if you always think about that, you can't think about this, which is how much God loves everybody because after all, for God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only son for the whole world. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get there. You know, I just don't know how you get there. But I'm old and I'm impatient and there's important things to do and the problem with that is, what's that? I'm not swayed by No, no, it just is like I just I just no, but I do this, you know, ever I, you know, like Look. You only have so many minutes in the day and if you spend your minutes trying to figure out Who's predestined and who's not, or what predestined could possibly as opposed to feeding the poor, you get one kind of Christianity or another. My advice would be to all Christians, you know, as I once said to a guy who was giving me a lot of static around here, you, work in a soup kitchen for six months and then come back to me and talk to me about this. Geez, do I sound like I'm losing my patience? I might be at the end of my rope. <laughs> all I'm doing is getting ready to give something up for Lent. That's all I'm doing. Ash Day the 26th. Yes, of course, you can... Yes. I'm t- I'm scared to death of her. What? Yes? When you're talking about the resistibility of the gospel, yes. I understand what you're saying, that it's a gift, and you can refuse it or right. accept it. That makes sense. But then my background also explains it, that when Jesus calls you, you can't refuse him like Lazarus come forth. So that mm-hmm. makes sense to me, too. So I don't know how to... So, so the question is, um, can, can I shorten the question to say this? When Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out, he didn't have any choice. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to skew it. I'm not trying to skew it. I'm trying, that's kind of, you're saying, this is an irresistible word to Lazarus. Lazarus, you come out of there, you knucklehead, right? That's the way I've been taught. Yeah, right. So there'd be a couple things to think about in that, right? So it's, and it's a good question about the resistibility of the word. Um, i trying to think. This is an honest question. Does Jesus ever do anything, even one thing in his life that is irresistible? Or can we even think of one thing or one word that's irresistible? I'm trying to think of, of an example. Right? Maybe when he casts out a demon, you might be able to push for that a little bit. But um, the question then would be, how do you know it's irresistible? You don't know it just because Lazarus didn't come out, right? That was just because he came out doesn't mean it was irresistible. Um, this is a little like... I'm going to try to get the right... Have you ever been unconscious and then came come back awake? Yeah, hmm. Um... I trust you or not here Hopkins okay let's go ahead you're sitting next to Larson he's a good guy so I'm thinking some of his aura might rub off on you go ahead do we assume Christ's word Lazarus is necessarily gospel I told you about my vicar kiss me baby I told you that story already it couldn't be great it couldn't be more gospel than come back to life isn't I mean the, the, the law the law is good for us as well yeah but when you're dead you're under the law like crazy crazy right right yeah. Uh, I mean, so Lazarus is, is dead as dead dead as a doornail. Yes, he is. Uh, so he, he he can't resist anything anyway. Um yeah, I mean, you have to play this out a little bit, but it's a bit like um, <clears throat> I've given you the drowning example before. Richard, do you want to take a crack at it? Lazarus had already made his choice. At one time, it was a gift, he chose it, yeah. nothing changed once he died. That seems to be helpful. So he's living inside the gift, and then the Lord does what he does with him. If the Lord wants him to be awake, he's awake, and if the he's Lord, the wants, Lord him to, right. wants him to be dead, he'll be dead. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, this thing is, this is so important, because if you start with the notion of, if you assume predestination, or if you assume irresistibility, you can tell the story in that way, it's just not a very happy story, Right? It doesn't, it's not a happy story about Jesus, who doesn't ever f- work by force. It's not a very happy story about you, because human beings, to be a human... You know, the th- one of the, f- the few things unique to humans is a free will, right? You can choose particular things. And if, you, if it's all just a fake, then you're just a robot. A very nice robot, but, you know, free will is the thing that... Um, and to have it be the law, its a weird, you know, the law or irresistibility force makes you do what Jesus wants. Um, you can have a long conversation about what happened when Lazarus died again and whether he disobeyed that, but that's a, that gets esoteric. Where have all you people been the rest of the year? <laughs> Go ahead, and then, then rebuttal to the witnesses. He's walking the earth. He hasn't died to defeat death and sin. Right. Yeah, right. So when he calls the forth it's not Lazarus making a decision that he's in death. Death must release him. Yeah. Uh, or the demons must release the woman bent over or the, There is something to that. Right. The demons obey him, the people marvel that the demons obeyed him and it's I mean I, that's just how I see look at it it wasn't like Lazarus hmm. so the same word the same word can be law to the demons and gospel to Lazarus yeah. right yeah. the cross is the great example of that the cross is your salvation and the cross is a death blow to Satan yeah. it's law for Satan and gospel for you yeah. Mr. Wente this is off Lazarus so hey if you guys want to study Lazarus you got to ask me in advance and I'll whip something up okay <laughs> So when we're talking about the irresistibility or the resistibility of Jesus' invitation, yeah, uh, it it starts getting into the again kind of the evangelical trope of I've got to I've got to I've got to do for Jesus. I've I've got to do something. I mean, you've taught many times on the it's a gift. There's nothing you have to do. Just there. You don't have to. There's nothing for you to do. So when you're talking about the resistibility, then it, again, it kind of blurs the image. of. But do I have to accept Jesus? Do I have to kind of make the altar call? Do I have to do the Billy Graham thing? So, um, well, so one of the things that's so happy about this discussion is how much you know, right? Um, well, you know, this happened with the men's retreat thing. The, the speakers are always stunned by how much you all know. So that's, that's really a nice thing. So let's play out your example Um, How does the dirt do before the seed gets there? How does it do? Well, the options seem to be nothing or thorns, right? So it's a little hard for the dirt to take credit for anything, right? So at least in this story, nothing happens until the sower arrives with the seed. Nothing happens, right? When something happens, people want to explain what happened if you presume predestination, if you presume irresistibility, um, then you, the, the story gets told one way. But as Pastor Nelson would say, I ain't got time for that. Right? Because what happens is that you've already enforced, you've already, you've already taken the story and clipped it. There isn't any of that in the story. I don't, you know, this is what it says. Well, maybe let's just, let's just keep playing and forget about this because we don't need that anyway. He takes seed... And he throws it everywhere, so i 'm just going to to predestination or some save not others i 'm just going to say how many ki- kinds of soil would he have to name before you 'd give up not you before how much how much how many types of soil do you need to name until you give up and say he 's throwing it into every kind of soil? I know if you grew up in Effingham, you know like the different kinds of different soil, but if you 're like me and you just grow, you know nor you know you just didn't you know you're like yeah you got some rocks and you got some not so good and you got some you got some cement and then you know you just that over the 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 wenties always seem to get a good yield so that's they're good they're good right i mean basically what he's saying is he scatters it everywhere right now um a blow against so i would say that's a blow against starting with predestination and i would say a blow against starting with Irresistibility. Sorry, I'm in your in your space there. That's a little close. Uh, I, I would I would say a blow against irresistibility is um, in three out of four cases it doesn't work that well. If it's irresistible, he would just say the sower went out to see so the went out to sow. Um, if it, if you're doing predestination, you would say and he sowed into good soil and it grew. If you're doing irresistibility, you'd say the sower went to sow and he threw it in all kinds of soil and it grew. But that's not the story. The story is, he scatters seed everywhere. He scatters himself everywhere. He scatters his gift everywhere. He scatters joy everywhere, grace everywhere. He scatters it everywhere because he loves everybody. Because he died for the whole world. And God wants all his children home again. I mean, I can stack this up all day. He, he scatters everywhere joy and peace and love and forgiveness and the kingdom of God. And guess what? It works one out of four times, and even among the one out of four, it only works s- thirty times in one place and sixty times in another. But the people back there in the corner, I mean, back by Strutsel, hundred times back there. I mean, Bruce, I mean, if you were drafting a little league team, you'd take Bruce and then probably Matt, right? So you know, it's just not in the story. You kind of go, it's just not in the story. I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I could kind of go on with the Lazarus thing, but I just want to let it go since that's not what we're doing. So, uh, yes, please. So, so if it's irresistible, then it would grow in the rocks and the cement? Everywhere. Okay. Unstoppable, right? Mm-hmm. Makes you do it. Makes that soil be good, shape up young lady, you know, Right? No, this is the story. This is the story of Jesus, as simply as I can say it. Jesus, your heavenly father wants you home again. Your heavenly father wants all his children home again. Jesus says, I'd be happy to go and do my best toward that. And he comes and he gives his gifts to everybody and says, Wouldn't you please? Um, people can respond like Adam did in the garden and say no thanks I'd be a better God than you we'll just carry on because I don't see any trouble on the horizon I like it like this or people say thank you so much and they follow along behind him that's the story right in something this gentleman questioned too or in his question yeah about the lines kind of being blurred of don't you really kind of have to accept it if you if 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 rejecting it is an option then isn't accepting it an option Okay, that's it. I'm coloring now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but then if you take it if you take it a step further then it's the seed can grow without the soil. I just I just wish I had my raccoon picture here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Now there's your old now, which part of that old, dead, tired heart actually... You guys remember this. Don't you know you're in your trespasses and sins? I mean, there, there is no will in this. I mean, the question is, is, what do you decide with? I mean, have you ever... That's too... Look, people die. And when they die, they can't do anything. So when the scriptures say you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, it actually means you can't do anything. Right? What happens is resurrection. From outside, the seed is cast, or the Holy Spirit plants, this is the vicar's fault, Christ in your heart. No, it's not, but he's not here, so I can believe. He he plants Christ in your heart, and Christ grows. It's from outside, like somebody who sows seed into dirt. The dirt is dead and unproductive. the seed arrives and the seed grows right so just don't go any farther her. just take it there's no there's no dead people don't have a will so what is it that decides for christ right what is it what is it Why right it happen on the cement? It, it, um, because the devil gets there first right which is actually kind of a fun story we have to go that because but we'll go there for a second. Um, it it just um, dis- well yeah. We'll come back to that. Why it doesn't happen on the cement? Okay. So we will switched out of the dirt to the cement. But we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, yes, partly because the world's a dangerous place, right? Come on, you got a daughter. You, there are places you don't want your daughter to go because they're demonic. They're hard, and there's no good thing happening there. And right. You still okay? I'm not sure if you're okay. <laughs> I don't who are you people? <laughs> it's just like it's just like, you know, the only thing left is an intervention. I mean <laughs> Pastor Nelson pops through the door, you know, I just have to sit down and take it. Yes, Marilyn. Okay, the seed that landed in the rocky ground and corn started to grow. It did. It did. Those people have faith and then lose it. What you should do is come on Saturday to new members and you could compare what the roster looked like on the first day and what it looks like now. The new members class is just the parable of the sower in real time. Or people who came through and were so excited two Easter vigils ago and now they won't answer our phone calls. This is actually, this story is everybody, this is every church in America. This is every church. People come, and some people, um, you know, have no interest and are angry if you talk to them, like pavement. And then some people are so excited, and they sign up for everything, and they're going to be here, and, you know, I think the record is, we had somebody baptized, they came one Sunday, and they've never been back since. You kind of go to yourself. Dang, even for, you know, even for the sun coming up, that was a quick scorch. And then you kind of think, then of course there's the thorns, which you would know as traveling soccer, right? Uh, You think I'm kidding you? Sign your kid up for traveling soccer or hockey or pick something, right? Because the cares of the world get so deep that you couldn't possibly come to church anymore because, you know, right? Your kid's in first grade, and have you seen pictures of Pele? Because... looks startling to make my kid, but that's a whole other story, right? Do they come back? Do they? I don't know. I don't either. You'd be nice to them if you see them. See if they'll come back. Killed off the plant. I guess it's dead. Never give up hope. Hopkins works on dead people, right? The Holy Spirit does work on dead people. Yes, that's the only kind He works on. Actually, live people just do what they want, Mr. Hopkins. Sorry, Mr. Yonker. <laughs> uh, kind of what Marilyn was just saying. I, I was going to ask you, The parable doesn't actually tell us the outcome of the bad soil or the thorn soil or the rocky soil, does it? Just well, it says it got choked. It got choked. So I mean, the, 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 word gets choked. the prognosis doesn't look good, All right? Fair, but. but yeah. I mean, we don't know their destination. Oh, yeah, I'm not... I'm actually, you know, I'm going to maintain my... Uh, I'm going to maintain my, maintain my diplomatic immunity for never having said that any person actually ever went to hell that I knew, not about anybody, any time. I'm just saying. I don't want to fight about that today, too. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I can't see in people's hearts. I just... Here's the thing, though. If I'm uh, Chad Kendall considering a call and... Um, <laughs> I had people, you know, uh, if, I had, if I got the description of the congregation, you know, I'd be much more optimistic about the 30, 60, 100-fold than I would be about the pavement thorns and uh, hot sun, thin soil prognosis, right? It doesn't look good. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I just mean it's not giving us their destination. We don't know. Yeah, no, no. But for a moment, I'm going to try to push you back to, um, and what's interesting about this conversation is that we've spent all our time talking about other people, uh, as in, well, not all our time because irresistible is, but most I mean, so maybe just take the last five minutes, and just, just think about yourself. Just, just you know, just kind of. So forget about everybody else. Just think about yourself, and because of, by the time you get to the end, that's where you want to be anyway. And you say to yourself, um, the Lord loves me so that he sows himself into me. So, you know, I insist that the gospel is touch. And so what Jesus does, when Jesus has Miguel preach and he takes those words and he puts them into your ear, when he touches your eardrum with his words enlivened by the Holy Spirit, it's exactly the same as when Jesus or so when a sower takes a seed and throws it into soil. And then of course through the week, I'm sure Miguel will wonder, he's, in fact he's already started to ask, I wonder what will happen. Right? I wonder what will happen. So um, just think about yourself. In this, this is not unlike Jesus saying, you know, I'm the vine and you're the branches. You know, he says, without me, you don't bear any fruit. I wonder what will happen. And one of the great difficulties for us is um, to kind of push a story away as if it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that you are doing this. I'm giving you like I'm shooting up a flare now. I'm not saying... I, actually, I very much appreciate the questions. It's much more fun than me talking to myself. So, but I just want you to think about this. Um, when Jesus tells this story, and I let this story be about me, so this is not a story about you. This is a story about me. When I let this story be about me, all my life comes then into sharper focus. And I wonder if you could let this story be about you too, right? With a little bit of reflection about your own life. Um, you know, who am I in the story? Like, you know, there's pavement and there's, you know, thorns and there's, you know, quick starts, but people forgot it was the marathon. And there, then there are people who are 30 and then you kind of say, I wonder if I should have been 60 or what kept me from being 100. Let this, wonder if you could think about, and is there still possibility? There could be next season. I just kind of just, so if you go away, you know, don't think about anybody else for a moment. Just think about yourself and what this would mean for you and what Jesus wants for you. Clearly, the story has to be something like Jesus loves you and he wants, a home, wants you home again and he gives himself into you by way of his words and baptism and the Holy Supper. And he wants nothing more than for you to flourish. He's not very happy about people who scorch out early or never do anything. It's a great sadness. But then, just think about yourself. What would this mean in my own life? And where are the points in my own life where I resist what Jesus would do for me? You know? You can, see, you can, you can do it pretty easily. Christ, scripture prayer, you know? Liturgy and Eucharist, tithing and alms, thorough mercy, a good witness, a thorough, thorough witness, right? A winsome witness. Kind of just, just... So, it was actually... All that was so very helpful because it sort of proves the point that we hear the stories. We don't hear the stories fresh. I can guarantee you that when Jesus got into a boat and said, a sower went out to sow, there is not one person, no, there was not one, who said, what about predestination? Hey, is what you're given here irresistible? See, nobody, but see, we're all, we're all ruined already. We're all completely ruined. right? So just, just read the story over and over again. Maybe we'll come back to it next week. Just think about, just think about the simplest thing Jesus sows himself into you, and he hopes for the best. Jesus sows himself into you, and he hopes that you you would flourish. Jesus comes to you in love, the way seeds come to ground. And it's always risky. If you don't think it's risky, you should get to know some farmers. It's always risky. You put everything on the line, just hoping that somehow something might work. And if you want to invoke the human will... Invoke it in the place where you actually do have an option. When you're dead, you don't have an option. But once you've been resurrected, read the Old Testament for today. I set before you life, it was so interesting, right? Life and good, death and evil. It was an it was a different pair than you normally get. I set before you life and good, death and evil. And love me by obeying me, walking with me, following me, and come to life. It's the most beautiful thing. It's this story, right? This is Jesus hopes for the same thing in Deuteronomy that he hopes in the parable of the sower. And part of it is um, last thing that we got to go. Uh, part of it is we get really easy satisfied with fast starts, um, or we're really satisfied to kind of have the. Church just be one thing among others. Like if you can't tell the difference between the church and the Red Cross, you got a lot of learning to do, right? If you can't turn, if you can't tell the difference between a church and a political party, I mean this is like so. There's so much to do. There's just so much to do. And you should reflect on the things that. Stop you from producing 30, 60, and 100 things from the Lord. The Lord has given you in this place, you know. It's part of the thing that's so remarkable about this place. So many people gathered in one place, kind of pulling on the same end of the rope. And yet still, you know, we've barely scratched the surface. You know, you're like a Ferrari still in second gear. Drive faster, right? Let's have some fun. You know? Um... I mean, I could make a long pitch for this, but seriously, step on the gas in your own life. Let's go. All right. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray for St. John. Pray for Pastor Kendall. um, And think about this in your own life. Come back next week. See you. Love you. Bye.